Welcome to the 963 Universal Frequency. I'm your host, Esther Clare, spreading awareness with an open heart, an open mind, living life and being free. In this episode, I will be sharing my experience traveling through Nepal, trekking to Annapura, Everest Base Camp and Chitwan. And no, that wasn't Chitwan, it was Chitwan, C-H-I-T-W-A-N. Also, I will explain my discovery in singing bowls, the healing benefits of these bowls through sound and vibration, which also led me to Dr. Royal Raymond Rife, a scientist in bacteriology who invented an electromagnetic machine which destroys malignant cells in the body. All of this discovery has heightened my belief in holistic healing or pseudoscience for those skeptics out there. Before I planned my trip to Nepal, I was having dreams. The dreams had different scenarios, but they all had one thing in common. Mountains. There was one dream where I'm climbing a mountain without a harness or the appropriate safety gear. Another I woke up on the edge of a cliff, but the one that felt surreal and vivid was me falling from the peak of a cliff and I'm falling backwards. It's slow yet graceful And I remember feeling a breeze passing me and the strands of my hair tickling my face as I'm falling. And when I hit the earth, the ground is soft and my body bounces and I can feel the mattress bed beneath me and I wake up. After waking up, I felt buoyant. I had all this energy and I couldn't stop thinking about the dream and I haven't forgotten the dream. I can still remember it very clearly to this day. So not long after, I began searching for my next adventure and I needed a country with mountains. So I get on the laptop and I'm searching and coincidentally, my friend calls me and asks if I wanna see a movie at the Luna Cinema called Sherpa. After watching the documentary, I was sold. I was going to Nepal. On 3rd of March 2017, I arrived at Kathmandu Airport. Walking to the arrival check-in appeared chaotic. What should have been lines were actually groups of people shuffling towards the counters as they filled in their arrival slips. Surprisingly, there wasn't much of a wait time in the queue and check-in service was fast. The baggage collection area looked disorderly. People were scattered everywhere and there was no security that I could see. Collecting your bag was pretty much free for all. However, I could see my backpack on the conveyor belt through a tiny gap of the crowd. I called out to a couple of Nepalese men at the front of the crowd and signaled to them, that's my rucksack. They grabbed it for me, passing it over a few heads with a smile on their face before it drops into my hands. I couldn't help but chuckle. I was no longer in Australia and it took me less than five minutes to get my luggage without the rules and regulations. I walked outside to a crowd of yelling Nepalese taxi drivers, pleading to take me to my hotel. I picked the driver that agreed on 500 rupee, which is about $6 Australian, for a six kilometre drive to the Inn Bhutan in Duba Square. 
It was a bumpy ride all the way into the city. The hotel that I stayed in was three stars. It was tucked away from the hustle and bustle of the city. The service was polite and they were always very happy. The structure of the hotel was made from traditional heritage wood, charming and peaceful. But if you're after pools, TVs and room service, then this is not the right place for you. It was perfect for the two nights before I set off on a bus ride to Pokhara to complete the Annapura base camp trek. I decided to do the Annapura trek on my own. I caught a bus from Kathmandu into Pokhara. Catching a bus to Pokhara takes about six hours. When you arrive there, there are a mass of tour groups. At every single tea house I stopped at, there was tour groups. So you feel safe trekking on your own. They say that the Annapura tour takes at least 14 days to complete. However, I did it in 12. Just remember, your body will be acclimatizing. The higher you go, the thinner the air. It is recommended by doctors that you take Dymox prior to your journey to Annapura Base Camp or the Everest Base Camp. However, I held off as long as I could and I actually completed Annapura without any Dymox and I think that's pretty common for most people. Day three, I reached Pokhara Tekichhanga. Pokhara Tekichhanga is beautiful. There's alpine meadows, villages that are isolated, and glaciers. At this level, you are at 26,545 feet. Expect an arduous journey, steep rocky terrains, where you're lunging your body up and dropping your body down. I didn't have walking sticks at this point, but I could tell that the impact on my knees and my ankles was going to take effect. And I was a little concerned about doing the Everest Base Camp trek because I knew that that was going to be even harder. You're walking about six to eight hours a day, depending on how fast you walk. Bearing in mind, you will want to make it to the next tea house before sunset. The higher you go, the thinner the air. The faster you move, the more likely you will experience altitude sickness, especially if you're not familiar with the change of atmosphere. When you reach Annapura Base Camp, you will be at 4,130 metres, which is about 13,550 feet. The scenery is spectacular. Definitely worth the arduous ascent. Overall, the route to the camp is epic. Expect to walk through luscious, dense forests, walk over suspended bridges over tranquil rivers, see isolated villages and friendly, smiley faces. You will constantly be surrounded by mountain glaciers. After the trek, I headed back to Kathmandu, where I spent some time volunteering in an orphanage before I set off to Chitwan. The bus ride to Chitwan is about five hours. Chitwan has one of Nepal's largest national parks and is home to the one-horn rhino, elephants, Bengal tigers, black bears, crocodiles, and more. It was in this area of Nepal that I further became aware of my compassion towards animals. When I arrived at the elephant farm, most of the elephants 
were roaming around freely, except for one. It was a female elephant, and she was chained to a pole. Her calf was close beside her, and a much larger elephant, a male elephant, stood near them looking rather mad, its ears flapping rapidly. It would charge towards the tourists, then back off. The guides informed us to keep our distance. He was the father that couldn't be tamed, and he had come for his girlfriend and his baby. It was in this moment that I felt the elephant was showing natural traits of what any normal human being would do, and it didn't sit well with me. We carried on the tour, where I then had to climb on top of an elephant and ride it to another section of the park. There was four of us saddled in on top of the elephant's back, and the tamer was sitting on the elephant's neck, whacking it behind the ear with a metal hook. I could see behind the elephant's ear, and it was bleeding. I asked the man to stop so I could get off. I told him I would prefer to walk, but he said I had to wait until the end of the tour. It was a grim ride. All the other passengers could sense how upset the ride was making me as the man continued to whack the elephant behind its ear. We reached the end of the tour and I was relieved to get off the elephant. However, it wasn't the end and I was now at a river where other tourists could get on top of the elephants and pose while in the water. One of the elephants became aggressive towards a tourist on its back. The elephant began to sway its body from side to side in frustration until the man fell off and landed into the water. After this, I made my way back to the bus, eager to get back to the resort. However, not all was emotionally disturbing. It was uplifting to see rhinos placidly walking about, getting up close. Catch angle bears playing in the forest and seeing crocodiles roaming freely. Chitwan is a beautiful place. It's a quiet, peaceful village. There is a smell of marijuana in the air. The plant grows on the streets, but don't be surprised if you can't find any buds. After three days in Chitwan, I headed back to Kathmandu so I could commence the Everest Base Camp trek. I decided to do the Everest Base Camp Trek with a tour group. The most scariest part of the tour is the flight into Lukla. The turbulence felt endless, but at the same time, a thrill of a ride. The Lukla airport is known to be the most dangerous in the world. You're basically landing on a cliff 9,334 feet or 2,845 meters above. The landing strip is 527 meters in length. So be prepared for the adrenaline rush of potentially crashing into a concrete wall at the end of it. The pilots are experienced, so you're in good hands. I hope I haven't turned you off. The Everest Base Camp Trek took us 15 days in total. Again, you will be stopping off at tea houses to allow your body to acclimatize and to appreciate the stunning views. Namchi Bazaar is where you can actually see Mount Everest. The closer you get to Mount Everest in the base camp trek, 
the less you can see it. So it's best to take pictures of it in Namchi Bazaar. By day eight, we reached Dingbochi. At an elevation of 4,900 meters, this is where altitude sickness kicked in for me. I felt nauseated, my body weak and heavy, and I had a pounding headache. When we got to the tea house, I tried to play it cool. I was worried if anyone knew I was experiencing altitude sickness, I'd be sent back to Lukla. So I excused myself from the lunch and made my way through a mind-boggling labyrinth to find my room. Once found, I closed the door and fell onto the bed. I was finding it hard to breathe. Then I heard a knocking at the door. It was Colin, a member of our tour group, checking up on me. I told him I was fine, but he knew I wasn't right. He refused to leave until I opened the door. As soon as I opened it, he saw my face and said he was getting our tour guide for help. When our guide arrived, the first thing I said was, please don't send me back. He told me to take my Dymox, which I had totally forgotten about. If I didn't get better within the next few hours, I would need to go back. Lucky for me, I got better. I couldn't eat breakfast or lunch, but the following day, I had built up an appetite. Making it to Everest Base Camp was worth the agony of my altitude experience. We were surrounded by mountain glaciers and clear blue skies. We had reached 5,364 meters. At this height, our bodies were exhausted, but our minds jubilant. We looked like we had been through hell with smiles on our faces. We hugged one another and took a photo holding a sign, 2017 Mount Everest. The next morning at 4 a.m., we had the opportunity to go higher. And so we did with a few others. It was the most steepest and difficult part of the trek. We made it up to Mount Kalapatar, reaching 5,545 meters. I felt like I was on top of the world, and I pretty much was. Descending from the mountain was tricky. There was quite a few slips. And to be honest, I think we were all on a high because every time we fell, we all laughed at each other. Overall, the journey was challenging with a sense of fulfillment. Everest Base Camp Trek is much harder than Annapura, but they are both equal in enchantment. The one thing I wish I had more of was peanut butter, or peanut butter now that I'm plant-based. And be sure to take lots of cleansing wipes as you most likely won't want to have a shower on the trip. And after the 15 days of not having a shower or proper access to a modern day toilet, book yourself into a five-star hotel. You can get them fairly cheap and good value for money. I spent my last few days in Kathmandu visiting historical sites, stupas, monasteries, and that last minute shopping. I found Thamil to be the most convenient place to shop with an array of stores for clothing, antiques, and artwork. The Blue Moon is where I purchased my first three singing bowls. As there are a plethora to pick from, it was recommended by the store owner to close your eyes and listen to the sound and choose the one you connect with. For me, I had a tingling sensation on the crown of my head and my upper body began slowly moving clockwise until the sound stopped. Another woman in the store said she saw colors while others purchased on sound. If there was a prolonged hum at a consistent tone as the chime fades, you have a winner.
so it's best to choose a bowl on its vibrations rather than its exterior features. The bowls have quite a few different names, Om, Singing, Healing, Tibetan, but they all have the same purpose, to heal the body and mind through its vibrations. Its two functions are physical and mental detoxification. The vibrations send frequency waves through the body. As our bodies are made of 70% water, a great insight to seeing how these bowls actually work is by placing water into them and then tapping the outer edge to chime, then circling around the edge with a mallet stick. When this is done accurately, the water begins to bubble and spits out of the bowl. This stirring movement within our body increases blood circulation and the temperature within our muscles, helping with inflammation and tightness. I suppose you could also relate this to the feeling of vibrations to calming babies, as this is a feeling they inherit from inside the mother's womb. The sounds the bowls produce have low and high frequencies of tones and octaves. There are several different sound waves, all of which assist with body pains and stress. However, these frequencies range from 175 to 900 hertz. There is also seven chakras within the body and in the wheel of Sanskrit. The crown, third eye, throat, heart, solar plexus, sacral and root. The chakra systems originated before 500 BC and although it's unclear which culture created the bowls, Tibetan or Nepalese, Hindu priests, monks, yogis, shamans, bodhisattvas all believe in the method and success of its healing powers. The bowls are also made of seven different elements. Brass, copper, alloy, tin, iron, silver and gold. They are either made by hand or in a factory, and you can definitely tell which is traditionally made, not only by its structure and artwork, but by the price. In a similar theory, Without using chemicals to cure ourselves, Dr. Royal Raymond Reif, a scientist in bacteriology, developed the most powerful and influential optical microscopes and invented a radiofrequency electromagnetic machine that uses coordinated residents to target a specific cell, mimic its frequency, causing it to shatter. He found that an impulse of the same frequency could be used to destroy diseased cells. Reif believed bacteria or viruses emitted a frequency. He removed a sample of these specific cells, placed it under the optical microscope and worked arduously to find the right frequency using his frequency generator to match and eradicate the bad cells. He called this MOR, mortal oscillatory rate. Then he re-injected into his test subjects to see if the virus or bacteria would reproduce. He believed to be successful. This extraordinary man was born in 1933, Nebraska. He died in 1971 and his work and inventions were not approved by the FDA. 
There was little studies found on this theory. However, there are claims that the AMA, American Medical Associations and government agencies covered up evidence after Rife's death in 1971. And now, in recent studies, experiments are being carried out using radio frequencies to treat cancer and tumours, and these frequencies do not cause damage to healthy cells. also described how he found all the frequencies that would kill the various microorganisms. Although Rife's theory is still ambiguous in the medical science field, the fact that frequencies is the rate of vibration and oscillation measured over time is clear. When a person is high in frequency, they attract positive experiences, and when low, the person develops a negative mindset, 
creating obstructive densities within the body and externally. As we humans are made of atoms, which are subatomic particles, protons, neutrons, and electrons, our bodies contain negative and positive cells. Even listening to a particular melody can change your mood. EMS, also known as electronic muscle stimulation machines, are used in fitness. They can send electrical impulses to contract muscle at a higher rate than what physical interval training would do. This is to increase body strength, stamina, and improve moods. Or it can aim in muscle relaxation when the current is set to a particular frequency on that muscle. The mythology of frequency is all around us, and it could be the answer to a better way of treating ourselves without medicinal chemical substances. Or perhaps the paralytes, such as Big Pharma, want to keep it hidden from us. Well, I hope you enjoyed this segment and you learned something new. Remember, always do your own research. Seek, discover and perceive for yourself. Be open and optimistic, broaden your knowledge and expand your mind to be free. Open your hearts, open your minds, live life and be free. Thanks for tuning in.